Bree Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be in LA, and now I'm in New York, but I'm gonna go back to LA again. And this is Burn Notice Season 2, where inexplicably Chris is back in New York for one night only. Uh, probably a second night, because we'll need to record again. I'll put him on blast in a little bit, but uh, if you haven't already been able to tell, this is our weekly rewatch podcast of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is an episode of television, a great episode of television, or a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into those ratings, listen to our intro episode, or wait until the end of this episode, where we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and keeping this for season two, no criticism of any kind at burnnoticepodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter, burnnoticedpod. That's burnnoticed with a D. Because we noticed it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's the top of the episode. It's season two. Hello. Welcome back. We're feeling wet and wild. We are. It is raining outside. It is so. raining outside. <laughs> Some good <laughs> Miami ambiance to, exactly. to get this started right. Exactly. You know that that dreary Miami rain? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cold, biting wind. Exactly. Um, so I'm putting Chris on blast at the very top of this episode because it feels like the most accurate time to do so. No, of course. Yeah. Let's get this out of the way. So Chris flew into New York today. Uh, he's back in For town this podcast. For this podcast because it's that important. <laughs> um, so he, he flew back into town uh, for, for reasons that, you know, yeah. are personal to him and don't ask him any questions about it. Otherwise. No one needs to know. Yeah. You're not, you don't want to know either. No. That's the truth. Uh-huh. Um, and so we were like, oh, that's great. Let's record the first two episodes of Burn Noticed while you're in town because it's just always easier to do it this way um you know and of course i missed him and his stupid face oh no uh, she's over that now i'm super over that now because chris got here and he was like so i haven't watched either of the episodes which i don't know if you guys know this or remember this from season one it has been several weeks since uh we recorded an episode or released an episode but we watch burn notice on this podcast and then we review it in detail um, so, like, the literal one thing he has to do before recording this podcast is watch Burn Notice, which he failed to do. I did. What is your excuse? Uh... Because you brought your microphone. You knew there was a podcast happening. You know, I think part of me thought we were going to do bonus episodes today. Even though we explicitly decided if we don't come up with a good bonus episode idea, which we did not, uh, we were just going to watch the first two episodes. I think I thought I was going to come up with one. I don't have a good reason. I truly don't. Uh, Like, I moved across the country. I've been looking for a job. But I don't have a good reason. I am just a failure as a person. And uh, is there anything you would like to say to our dear listeners um, as penance? I'm so sorry. This doesn't actually affect you at all. Yeah, no, because we're going to record the next episode in two days before he leaves. It only affects Brie. It only affects me, and I'm extremely irritated. <laughs> Which I think is a good energy to start it's off. Good. Because it's... I people like our dynamic the more animosity there exactly. is. Exactly. People want us to hate each other. Honestly, now now that I'm thinking about it, did you do this on purpose? Is this like some Maybe. Sort, some sort of diabolical plan where betraying me actually saves the podcast? It's like a very noble sacrifice. Yeah, I'm throwing myself <laughs> I am throwing myself on that grenade. The grenade of good podcasting. Yes. <laughs> All right, neat. Well, that's over. Uh, you can yell at him on Twitter and or at our in our email address. But those are the only two things you're allowed to do on either Twitter or the email address is introduce us to Jeffrey Donovan or yell at Chris. That's fair. So, um, and yelling at Chris does not count as criticism, for the record. No, oh yeah, that's 100% fair. Ideally, if you can get Jeffrey Donovan to yell at me. Oh my gosh. Like. Oh my gosh. That's like the perfect episode. Right. It's just like Jeffrey Donovan taking you down like peg by peg until you're nothing. And that's the episode. I don't talk at all. It's you don't talk at all. It's just we put Jeffrey Donovan either in a room with you, ideally, or like on Skype with you. And he just looks at you and just goes for it. (laughs) I would submit myself to that. Oh, God. I think that might be my kink. Is it? Is Jeffrey Donovan yelling at you while you do not speak? Is it Jeffrey Donovan as Michael Weston? 
I as think that's himself, up to Jeffrey Donovan. I think Jeffrey Donovan as the character it. from his new film. <laughs> is it a film or a TV show? I thought he was I, in a new show. No, it's a film. Isn't it this movie that like where he's a bad guy? I don't know. I know we've watched the trailer for it. I could have sworn the trailer we watched was for a television show. No, I think it's a movie where he is like a murderer or something, and like I mean, to be fair, he's a murderer in this show. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> the he pilot murders... of Burn Notice he murders two men. Yeah. Um... And he doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. And then he's like a, not even accomplice, but like, what what would you consider it in season one where he like convinces an old man to murder the woman who the the lady boss? An, an what, accessory. What, accessory, but is it an accessory if he like hired the hit technically? Because like, isn't that that that's got to be some other kind of offense? Like, I don't think you get to be like, you know, puppet mastering and then just get an accessory after the fact. I don't know. Um, I guess it wouldn't be after the fact because it was premeditated. I am just a simple country lawyer. Conspiracy, maybe? Like... Yeah. If you you know a lawyer who knows the types of murder charges, you can also maybe get in touch. If you know a murderer that knows the types of murder charges... Ooh, that would be even more interesting. Uh, how are, 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 have we completed, uh, uh, beginning banner? Yeah. The beginning banner. Here's a question. Yeah. I want you to think about this. I refuse, but go on. How, how many people that do you think you've met in your life? Four. That have murdered someone. That have taken a human life. Definitely at least two. Yeah. I think I. On purpose or involuntarily? either both okay because involuntarily like i'm sure there are people that i knew in high school who like either did a hit and run or like killed a homeless person it's just like the type of vibe they give off you know (laughs) i'm gonna say well but i know at least like one definite murderer i'm gonna say five wow that's high i mean you are from texas which i think is an inherently more murderous state but yeah, and all of those are voluntary. Like, I, like they. The they, thing is, I don't have speci- too many specific people in mind. I have like one or two specific people in mind, and I'm just kind of playing the odds. I'm playing the odds. Yeah. <laughs> How many people do you think that you've met in your lifetime who are spies? I I don't think I've met any spies. I hmm. I don't think I'm interesting enough to be spied on. Well, but spied upon. But that's kind of like the thing isn't it that like spies it's not that you were being spied on it's like you lived in new york city and now you live in los angeles and have very long hair (laughs) and so like (laughs) it's more a question of like sometimes i'm feeding birds and people next to me are feeding birds and a spy walks by (laughs) exactly (laughs) he crosses the street waiting to do some sort of like meet with some other spy and like give a briefcase to another spy exactly that counts let's talk about burn notice now yeah sure why not i think you know i think it, I just i'm in the mood yeah it's real why. fresh in my mind for some reason <laughs> for some reason it's like you watched it right before now which would be crazy because you're a professional and you value other people's time and are a professional about it uh-huh God, what a professional. I look at you and I'm just like tingly. You know me and competence porn. Well, this, I am rock fucking hard. And this is an episode about season two, episode one. It's of an Burn episode Notice. about season two? Yeah, season two, episode one. It's called Breaking and Entering. So we're sticking with the like extremely, you know, generic mm-hmm. and straightforward titles. It is Burn Notice. It is Burn Notice after all. Generic and straightforward. This isn't some highbrow treadstone shit. No. This is this is down and dirty Burn Notice. Um, and it aired July 10th, 2008. So we have uh, we've jumped basically a full year since the last episode came out. Uh, it was written by Nick Thiel, the guy who's gone on to write a bunch of shit, mm-hmm. including White Collar. And directed by Paul Hullahan, who directed the season one episode with the piss money. That's right. I remember I the name. Might have also been uh, the first episode that we considered. Oh no, it's not the first episode we considered a great burn. Oh no, yes, yeah, the first episode we considered a great episode. Ooh, I'm pretty sure. So this IMDb description was extremely long, so I did not copy and paste all of it. 
Um, and I'll talk about why it was extremely long in a second. So it reads, Stepping out of the back of the 18-wheeler he was riding in, Michael Weston is greeted with an exploding plane, dead bodies, and one hogtied live client, Jimmy. The phone rings, and a female voice calling herself Carla lets Michael know that if he gets this man back to Miami and help him play ball, she will finally let him know who burned him. There's, like, a lot more to that, but I, I thought that was a pretty good, you know, setup. <laughs> Uh, it's written by Lynn Boris Johnson, which is unfortunate. Oh, no. <laughs> but she has written, like, over 150 episode descriptions on uh, on IMDb. She's, like, a, a prolific description writer. So she, she's written some for Roseanne, uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent, and SVO. Uh, Lost, did a couple of Lost House. Ooh. Gary Unmarried, which seems like a deep cut. Oh, man. We got some old lady shows on here. Yeah. It looks like, oh, 112 is how many she's written. A lot of Roseanne. Uh, some Monk mm. in plain sight. Two and a half men. Uh-huh. Uh, only one two and a half men, though, so I think she must have gotten sick of it. Do you think she was just watching the USA Network and just recapping as she went and just did that for two days? And this was just what they showed on USA Network for two days? Because that's what it looks like. Yeah, it, it seems like it. She's a... Uh... She's a prolific lady. So. This is very evocative, this description. It feels like the back of the noir novel version of Burn Notice. Burn Notice would be a fun, like, noir style, either novel or show. Yeah. Because you could keep the, like, having fun with it, mm-hmm. but it could be a little bit campier. A little bit darker. But yeah, a little bit darker. That could be really cool. It's hard to do noir in Miami because it's so bright. Yeah, but I think you could do it. Yeah. So then, uh, oh, I forgot to mention that when the back of the car is open, there's like a very dramatic guitar sting. <laughs> like, action is happening. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. The action is happening song. <laughs> I really need that to be a song right now. I need someone to make that a song. I think someone to take that sample and make a song out of it. Action is happening. <laughs> Vince. Banana, do the action. <laughs> burr, nur, nur. It's too late because action's already happening. Burr, nur, nur. Shit's going down. Uh, burr, nur, nur. We missed the action. <laughs> burr, nur, nur. We gotta go back again. <laughs> Look, this is burn notice, so editing continuity does not matter at all. Burr, nur, nur. <laughs> is everyone glad that we're back? <laughs> I'm glad that we're back. I'm glad that we're back. And at least two Twitter followers are. Uh, so as Michael trots around at the crash site, he discovers a bound and gagged man nearby, Jimmy, which we already knew about. I, I apparently wrote Jummy in my you wrote notes. Jummy? Yeah, by accident. That's very good. Um, I love the guy who plays Jimmy. Yeah, he's like a famous character. Yeah. He was, he, in, he was Phil in Lost. He was. He was also in this same year... As he played Jimmy on Burn Notice. He was Jimmy. He was Jimmy on Mad Men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that too. He just has a face that looks like a Jimmy. Yeah, he looks like... I was going through his IMDb to find out if he played more Jimmys because he looks like a Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's also in Mulholland Drive in the one scene where, like, he sees the guy behind the the fucking trash can and it's weird and scary. I've never seen Mulholland Drive. My only connection to Mulholland Drive is that I knew a girl whose last name was Mulholland and she was a ding-dong. There you go. That's all. (laughs) I, I as like an LA resident now. Sure, yeah. Know all about Mulholland Drive. Okay, well, we'll get to that, I'm sure. Uh, so Michael's still on the phone with Carla, and she says that they asked Jimmy for a favor, like they're about to ask Michael, and they need Michael to escort Jimmy back to Miami to get his job done. Carla has Jimmy's wife and daughter. She also promises that she and Michael will finally meet if he completes the tasks. They hear sirens because Jimmy, a big dum-dum, made the mistake of calling the police to report a double murder. Which, to be fair, that makes sense. It makes sense, but also in context of, like, who he's dealing with, uh, probably is not going to go down well for him. So Michael basically just takes the hogtied Jimmy, throws him in the back of the Cadillac, and drives off in a very uh, erratic car chase. At which he takes a moment to again badmouth airbags. It's like the second time on the show he said, like... Airbags are bad. Airbags are good. Airbags save lives, Michael Weston. Yeah, but then you're not living on the edge. That's true. And Michael Weston, as we know, is a very edgy boy. He is. Very edgy boy. He's very edgy, but very boring. (laughs) 
I love it about him. So, uh, after the car chase is over, Michael pulls into, like, a dark factory parking lot. A very weird, like, parking Mm -hmm. lot. Gets Jimmy out of the back of the trunk and is like, listen, I'm sorry about that. Let's put you in the front seat now. So, he puts him in the front seat. But you should know, I disabled the airbags. (laughs) I'm, I'm bound by law to inform you. If you do not feel safe, I will just put you back in the trunk. Uh, on the more comfortable portion of the drive, Jimmy explains what's up. Essentially, Carla hired him a few months back to break into a place where he did a job. He is in computer systems, and the place that he did the job is a place called Security Associates. It's a private military company, but very corporate. He's supposed to get a memory dump off their hard drive. He said no way, ran away with his family, but as we know, was caught. Mm-hmm. This is just an exposition scene. Yeah. Uh, Michael, go back... Michael gets back to the loft with Jimmy to find Sam making breakfast and wearing one of his shirts. Which is why? Why is he wearing one of his shirts? I don't. I guess because Michael doesn't have laundry, which we've established multiple times throughout last season. And like Bruce Campbell's whole thing is that so Sam Sam has been like basically hiding out at Michael's apartment because you know he got the shit kicked out of him at the end of the last season and didn't want to scare his lady friend Veronica. So he has just been like you know squatting at Michael's place, and I guess he ran out of clothes. And he, he calls specifically, so he's walking around with a very tight little shirt on, and Sam spe- asks, how do you wear these little shirts? They're like doll clothes. And I just like thinking of Michael Weston in little shirts. <laughs> it's so twee. He is in little shirts. Like, Michael also, Weston in his little shirts. And, like, Bruce Campbell's just there in this shirt that's too small for him. <laughs> and it's, and I just... Making toast. Like, okay. Just... I'm trying to think, how dirty are his other shirts that he's like, I can't rewear one of my shirts again. Well, I think he, I well, to... he only had the one shirt. He, like, basically got rescued from being kidnapped and then immediately went to Michael's house. I don't know if there was ever a situation wherein um, I was staying at someone's place and I decided to just take their clothes. Unless they were definitely dead. Unless they were definitely dead. But Unless... that's only happened once, so it's a very rare occurrence. Yeah, exactly. Unless one of my five friends... <laughs> I just going to say, spoiler alert, I'm one of my five friends. <laughs> murdered someone, and they're definitely dead. And then, like, yeah, maybe I'll wear one of their clothes. One I, of their clothes. I feel like that would be, like... Incrimin- maybe I'll simple favorite and wear one of their clothes. <laughs> I feel like that would be very incriminating, though. Simple favorite was a good movie. It's such a good movie. It's a very good movie. I like Blake Lively's vests. Yes. Anyways, um, so we have a little Sam scene, and basically, that's it. Uh, oh, and, and he sees the state of the charger, which, like, he looks at, he, he has a very, Sam has a very cute, like, little puppy dog face when he realizes the, how... Not the charger, the caddy, right? No, the caddy, whatever the hell. The, Sam's car. Sam's car. So Sam looks out the window and sees the state of the caddy, uh, and it's very dirty, and there's sticks and leaves all over it. But all things considered, we get, like, a close-up of the car in the next shot. Yeah. It looks fine. Yeah, it's just dirty. Exactly. So in the next scene, Michael is cleaning the car. Mm-hmm. He is, like, spraying it down when Fee wanders up. Uh, and gives Michael shit for being all business when he called her over. Mm-hmm. She's like, you couldn't have started with I'm alive. And Michael's like, well, I figured the fact that I was calling covered that. I mean, uh, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. Uh, and then Fiona says, that's not the point. And then does like a very telegraph giant punch trying to hit him uh, when Madeline calls. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michael picks up the phone to talk to his, his mother. So Madeline's basically like, I know I'm not supposed to use this phone, uh, but I'm scared and worried about you. And so I guess the, the, the bad guys know that I'm worried about my son. And then I'm, I'm thinking, what is the point of her phone? If not to like call Michael with it? Like, why does she have a phone? Yeah. I, if it's bugged and she's not allowed to use it, why does she like, just don't give her a phone. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I, yeah. Well, that was the phone. No, cause he threw away the phone. Yeah. And he gave her a different one. Yeah. So yeah, it is to call it. What is that? <laughs> I don't know. This this episode has a couple of those where it's like, well, then what what are we doing? Well, then who was phone? Exactly. So, uh, so she's all upset and Michael's like, yeah, mom, you can come home. And Fiona kind of gives him shit like, uh, you weren't going to call your mom. And he's like, I was going to wait a few days, which is a very funny exchange. And then... Uh, so Fiona should feel fine. She got a call on that day. <laughs> she got a call immediately. Second only to Sam, who just happened to get a call first because he was there wearing his little shirts. 
Um, although there's this very cute moment where Fiona little goes, shirts. his little shirts, uh, Michael Wesson's little shirts, Michael Wesson's little shirts. Little tots. Oh, I love him. Little tots and tykes. Oh, gross. Uh, Fiona walks upstairs to like meet the other boys and Michael has this really cute little moment boys. where like under his breath, he's like, thanks for coming Fee," which is like very cute. I don't know. Like the sexual tension is very good. And also Fiona's hair has a lot more volume this season. It already. Does. Like her styling has gotten a lot better. Yeah. It was always very flat. Mm-hmm. Very flat and stringy yeah it was bad but now it's great Fiona looks great in this episode yeah uh, and next episode like they're they're giving her some more like curls too like they're just there's more texture overall yeah. um which which does a lot she looks great um so then inexplicably Fiona is not in the next scene in the next scene all the boys go to a bar to like you know hit up Jimmy for information but Fiona's gone I guess she's like Nah, a, I'd rather not. It's boys night. It's it's boys afternoon. It's boys afternoon. <laughs> it's boys afternoon. So Fiona is somewhere else, I guess. But uh, unfortunately, when you're an adult, you don't do boys night anymore. That's like boys night is like a thing of the your twenties. Me, me as a thirty-one year old now <laughs> knows that you have boys afternoon. Boys brunch. Boys brunch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, boys brunch. So the boys are at boys brunch. Uh, they are grilling Jimmy about Carla, but unfortunately that goes nowhere because Jimmy's like, listen, I've never met her either. I've just heard her on the phone and was like, fuck this. And then she kidnapped my wife and child. So I guess less fuck this. Uh, so now they discuss the case of the week. The case of the week is that Ryder Stahl runs this security associates place. And he's, as you might expect, bad news uh-huh. so uh more guns equal more problems uh, there it's he's mercenary. It's, <laughs> yeah, he's a mercenary it's mercenary yeah um jimmy or, yeah he's a private military contractor yeah i, I couldn't remember all the stupid words he's a yeah. mercenary uh michael asked jimmy for an introduction because michael as always will pose as a client in order to like figure out the security mm-hmm. so they can go and hack and everything listen we've seen this episode like Exa- five times yeah i know <laughs> it's like if i were a bad guy i would never let anyone see my stuff i have a comment about that later so we'll get to that but yeah like it also like it's a spy show the spies sometimes you know don't let anyone see them i want to see a stealth mission burn notice we'll get one later but okay so jimmy and michael who is wearing beige on beige it's like yeah it's like flat kind of lighter beige and then like gold it's so the shirt it's yeah what is this such a gross look it's so bad i do not and then like later on in the episode uh, for a different alias, he's wearing, like, dark clothes. Or, no, next episode, the one that you haven't yeah. seen yet. Uh, he's wearing, like, darker shirts and darker clothes. And it's like, he looks so much better. Stop putting Michael Wesson in beige. The whole show is beige. I mean, it's because it's, like, linen and, like, light clothing. It's, like, yeah, it's Miami. It's sort and of... the problem is that Michael can't do pull, like, a Dexter and wear, like, a textured shirt. Because no. it would be so out of character. No, he's got to be so wearing these suits. But they just... have to be just... Beige linen suits. Beige. It's like a. It looks like a toast sandwich. It's awful. It's the worst. Fiona looks great. Michael looks like shit. Yeah. So, anyways, Michael wanders in to his meeting with the mercenary guy and introduces himself as Terry Miller with a outrageous Australian accent. I don't. Is it Australian? Yeah, it is because the way that he says some of the he keeps saying mate first yeah. of all, and also there's a couple of like vowel sounds that are like there's that's nothing but Australian. Yeah, it's for sure Australian. I, no, there's definitely some vowel sounds that are Australian, but I don't think all of the vowel sounds <laughs> oh, are Australian. This is what I'm saying. It's like, like it's I like It's about as consistent as Fiona's Irish accent. Terry Miller who has, is a producer on the show, by yeah. the way. That's that's why that that's the name. Terry Miller was like lives in Australia but also spends a lot of time working like in inner city London. Maybe it's South African. Maybe it's because he, he his whole his cover identity as Terry Miller is that he works in mining on the northern border of Kenya uh, and is mad at the locals is like his cover identity. But I mean, like, it really doesn't sound South African. Well, huh? it doesn't sound like anything. No, yeah, it sounds <laughs> so like giving him the benefit because like South African is like kind of Australian but kind of Britishy. It he sounds like Idris Elba trying to do an Australian accent. <laughs> It's bad. It's really it's bad. Really... I like. I heard it and I yelped out loud. I was like so excited because it not was... only am I getting a name, but I'm getting an accent. This is the Michael Weston I know and love. We Except... are back. What I I really wish that we could have gotten more reaction shots of Jimmy 
in that moment. Because imagine... There, yeah, there is one reaction shot where he, like, looks at Michael like, oh, that was not what I was expecting. It's very good. <laughs> like, imagine you're Jimmy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, your, like, wife and child have been kidnapped. Like, you've been put in this situation. Like... This guy is, like, your only lifeline. He's, like, the guy who's going to get you your wife and child back because all of these really dangerous people want you dead or want you doing this really awful stuff. Then you have this one guy, and he's the one who seems to know his shit, and he's going to help you. And he's like, I've got this plan. Don't worry. It's rock solid. And he walks in, and he does that accent. And suddenly you're like, what have I gotten myself into? This person is an idiot. (laughs) It's incredibly good. So uh, a conversation ensues where Michael's like, hey, I need mercenaries. And the guy's like, "Uh, excuse me, we're security consultants. And then the lower third kicks in, identifying Ryder as mercenary. So, you know. He's a mercenary. He's a mercenary. Everyone knows he's a mercenary. Uh, But And then he tells Jimmy to piss off, which is not really an Australian-ism. Like, that was more British. Exactly. He's like, I think he splits his time between, like, inner city London... (laughs) And, um, and the Outback. And the Outback, yeah. <laughs> sometimes uh, he's in, sometimes he's out. Oh, God. Uh, so Jimmy... He's leaves. in and out, boy. <laughs> so Jimmy's gone. Uh, and Ryder Stahl is just... Which is such an insane name. Mm-hmm. Uh, does not believe t- in Terry Miller at all. Possibly <laughs> because of the accent. <laughs> Probably because of the I would not. The fact that he believes Terry Miller at all at any point in this episode is a mark against him. Honestly, yes. Uh, I keep thinking his name is going to be Ryder Strong, but that's an actual person. <laughs> no, it's Ryder Stahl. S-T-A-H-L. Um, so he's like, okay, you say that you're Terry Miller, but I think that you're a guy who has two backup people who are Fee and Sam mm-hmm. sitting at a in a parking garage like across the street. I think you're a cop. Yeah. And Terry Miller's like, would a cop do this? So he goes off with some bodyguards, yeah. and uh, while Fee and Sam are talking, and Sam is lecturing Fee to be nicer to Michael, mm-hmm. because he's like, he's alive, isn't he? Like, be nicer to him. Um, the Mike, he like Sam is gesturing with some foil from like food he's been eating, and he he kind of like lazily gestures with it out the window of his side. And Michael takes this opportunity to yell "gun" in the like least subtle way possible, which theoretically yeah. you would do if you were being for real. He like shoves one of the mercenary guys out of the way, wrestles him for his gun, and starts like taking pot shots at Sam and Fiona. Okay. And like the voiceover is like, "Work with people you know, otherwise they might think you've gone fucking insane." Uh, and so Fiona and Sam peel out, but not before Fiona takes some shots back, like very flirtatiously yeah. out of a moving car. And like her like, big pe- hair is flowing and it's just such a good scene for her. There's not many people who can shoot flirtatiously. Uh, but Fiona can. And then like the punctuation of that scene is so Fiona like flirtatiously shoots him like in the floor right between his legs and she like gives him this little mischievous smile as she yeah. drives away and Michael kind of just like half-heartedly like gives her a little smile and just like shoots half-heartedly in her direction and it's yeah. such a funny petulant moment. Yeah, she, she she shoots right into the floor, the outside floor, which is also the ground. Mm-hmm. Yes, the outside floor, which is also the ground. Uh, so, uh, let's see. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, so then that's over. We don't know what the fallout of that from the mercenaries is, but everyone regroups back at the loft. Jimmy is extremely freaked out because, you know, there's lots of bullet holes in the car. Uh, but everyone's like, no, 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 this is good. Because now Michael Weston is definitely not a cop in his eyes. Terry Miller is on the up and up. Um, Jimmy frets that even if Michael takes the brunt of this job, he's still the only one that can do the computer stuff. And he's a dead man. Sam realizes he's annoying Michael. So he takes, uh... He takes Jimmy upstairs for a beer or maybe a yogurt and a card game to calm him down and stop him. Uh, Madeline calls again back in town saying that Michael needs to come over right away because it's a disaster. But she says it very casually, which is a foreshadowing for the fact that it's maybe not as much of a disaster. It's it? never a disaster. It's never a disaster. So Michael goes to Madeline's house and uh, he like walks into the front door because he has a key and she wields a comically massive shotgun at him smoking a cigarette. It's very like... That's the standard Madeline pose. The standard Madeline pose. It's extremely good. Uh, she's very upset and it turns out that the disaster is that her extremely old coffee pot blew a fuse. Like she'd left it on or something when she ran out to go to Fort Lauderdale. It busted a fuse. The fuse <laughs> busted and uh, that was connected to the refrigerator. Yeah. So everything in the refrigerator had spoiled and it's all gross and she's very upset and uh michael is completely unsympathetic and is like sex for you why did you call me 
Uh, and then Madeline's like, oh, by the way, you left your phone in the car. And he's like, my phone? Something's afoot. So she hands him the phone. There's a missed call on it. He calls it back and, oh, good Lord, it's Carla, of course. This makes no sense. Because like he, then, he, then he's immediately like, what was the point of like, he insinuates and she like responds that like, Yes, we're the one who like make the fuse made the fuse blow or whatever. Like we set up that pot just to prove that we can break into her house, and then like put the phone in her car. Yeah, I and guess. then so like he could call so that he can call her about the pot. Yeah, on the phone that was in the car. It's so needlessly convoluted. Honestly, a lot of their like, hey. Did you notice that we're evil kind of stuff is very convoluted. Like they, they, they keep calling him like, so what happens on the phone after Carla's like, haha, we were in your mom's house. Why? Ah, it's plot reasons. Cause we can't, no, not plot reasons. Cause no, nothing comes of it. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but then the other thing that happens on this call is that she puts on the little girl, Jimmy's daughter, uh, who's very cute. And it's like, where's my daddy? And Michael's like, he loves you very much. And then the phone calls over. But like, so this is something that happens so frequently in this episode where it's like, they're actively making progress. We know Carla's watching. So we know she knows his progress, but she's constantly calling him and trolling him about like this wife and daughter who are yeah. like in danger. And it's like, we get it, Carla. Yeah, it's not like he's just sitting on his ass. Yeah, exactly. Like he's doing stuff. He's not being obstinate, which he has in the past. Like he's he's literally doing the job, and she didn't also exactly. Yeah, it's very hard to get him to do a job. So the fact that he's doing this job, Mm -hmm. yeah, and he even didn't really complain. He was just like, "All right, I'll do the job," and she's like, "Great." But like they keep calling him to remind him that there's like danger, even though like we fucking know exactly. And they didn't give him a timeline. So in episode two, he has a timeline spoiler yeah. alert. There's like a timeline set on like the yeah. thing Carlo wants him to do in this episode. He does not have a timeline. So it does it. It just feels the... unnecessary to continually remind him. Like, remember there's two women on the line. It's like, we know you told us two scenes ago. And it's not even like they're upping mistakes. It's no. not even like, it's like, Hey, we still have them. Remember us. We yeah. still have them. Exactly. <laughs> it's so stupid. Like, it's just, they're just, like, really trying to drive home, like, these are the bad guys. And it's like, we know. <laughs> you have not been subtle about that. Like, maybe chill out. There's stakes. They just want to show us, like, all the different, like, complicated ways that they can show him the information about the, like, mom and daughter being, yeah. like, captured. Like, there's another exactly. moment in the future where they're, for no reason... Um, Michael gets another like message about the fact that they uh, are mi- there that they're they've been taken, and it's like it leads to nothing. It's just no. another example of them being like, "Haha, we can watch you." And it's like, I know we established this already. Yeah, it doesn't like prove anything. Also, like none of the things that like they do, like that Carla does, are particularly clever either. Yeah, no, it's honestly, like- Jason Bly was in two episodes, and he fucked with Michael's life way more. And, like, had a purpose for doing it. And, like, every single time he fucked with him, it was for, like, a particular reason. And it caused a problem for Michael. Exactly. It it caused him to have to change his behavior, to move away, to, like, put a vibrator on a window. Like, every... Or I guess that was Yawn. That was the assassin thing. But regardless, like, Michael had to change his behavior. When Carla does stuff, it's for absolutely no reason. Yeah, because Carla wants him to do the job. But he's doing the job. So they don't... It's just... And, like, again, it's really like boring like this phone thing is so dumb what if you just like like open if open his fridge like ha- and got out a sandwich and then like started eating the sandwich and there was a photograph of the white child in the sandwich what it no no no. it would be better if it was he peels back the lid of his yogurt <laughs> yes. and there's a picture of them on the lid of the yogurt how did you even do that oh man yo plays in the pocket with carla <laughs> All right, so moving on. Um, the food's spoiled. Everything's bad. Um, Australian t- Terry goes back to see Ryder and uses the fact that he was shot at to convince him to finally take a real meeting with him. Ryder agrees, impressively ignoring the insane fucking accent again, uh, and takes him on a security tour because apparently no bad guy in Burn Notice has ever watched TV. No, never. <laughs> um, by the way, if you want to know what Ryder looks like, Go to a store and find a Just for Men box, because that's what he looks like. <laughs> uh, so he, he gets his security tour, gets everything he needs to know, counts his steps, and heads back to the loft to write down the floor plan he just, like, memorized. Yeah. Uh, because they gave him so much access, this random dude. Exactly. It's Why would you do that? I don't know. There's no reason to. Like... 
he he uses some of the same spy tips he's used in the past. Like, hey, make them go on the defensive. Say yeah. that you're worried and paranoid, so they have to prove to you that their security is good. I would just say, like, listen, my security is good enough for you to know to come mate with me. So yeah, either hire me or not. Exactly. And it'd be like, you know how good my security is? My security is so good that I don't show it to everybody. Yeah. Also, you don't, it doesn't matter what the security of my base is. I'm going to go kill like random citizens in Africa for yeah. you. Why do you give a shit where my computers are stored? Yeah. Like he says that he, he's going to store information, but yeah. I don't know. Like who knows? It, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't make, make any, any sense. sense. It does not make any sense. Um, so Michael's like writing down his memory palace reimagining of the security mm-hmm. system while Sam is explaining an extremely confusing card game to Jimmy still. Uh, Michael asks them to take it outside so he can play with his protractor in peace. But as soon as they leave, Fee comes in. Uh, and because Fee is only allowed one thing in the mm-hmm. entire world and it is to want Michael, she's like, when are we going to have a conversation? Because I guess they established earlier that like, okay. why we need to talk about our relationship because all that Fiona ever wants to do is talk about their relationship. Uh, talk about when I used to play with your protractor. <laughs> Michael asks Fee, uh, Michael's like, after the job. And she's like, okay. Uh, Michael asks Fee to go get them into the office above the security force bros sometime that evening for their heist. And she's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, cut. And she also, like, there's this beat where she's like, man, you really think highly of me. You really trust me to do this thing. That is not that hard a thing in mm-hmm. the grand scheme of things. It's like a really easy thing that she does. It's like, man. You really trust me with this thing, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. What have we been doing for the last year, Fiona? I don't know. I haven't been paying attention. Uh, Michael takes Jimmy out for lunch, another bro's brunch. Uh, though Michael is the only one with food, notably, which is, and he keeps eating it like with very big bites. So I enjoyed that a lot. He's a hungry boy. He's a hungry boy. Uh, he's really got to fill out those beige suits. Exactly. Um, and he wants to. Because he wears those. He's wearing those little shirts. He's wearing those little shirts and those beige suits, and he's got to fit into them. Um, so Michael is basically trying to get him to explain him the computer stuff to him, so he doesn't have to bring Jimmy along on the job. But Jimmy's like, "Listen, I have to do this." Mm-hmm. Like. It would take too long to explain it to you. Like, just bring me with you. And Michael's You have like, to press control, alt, and delete. But at the same time. And that's harder than you think. Uh, so anyway, so he's like, all right, fine, Jimmy. We'll, I'll come with you. Uh, then Michael notices at, while they're at Bros Brunch that there's a guy that's like staring at him really obviously and taking notes. Uh, then the guy takes off running. Michael runs after him. And he tackles the guy. And the guy's like, I just answered a Craigslist ad. Here's an unopened envelope they gave me. And the unopened envelope is like a proof of life photo of the mother and daughter holding the newspaper. And on the back, it's it says, hurry up, we're waiting. And it's like, we know. <laughs> you know he's on the right track. It's one thing to continuously remind him of the stakes. Like if he is stalling yeah. or, you know, if he has changed the game, which Michael Weston is known to do. He's not doing any of that. Yeah, everything's going according. <laughs> They're just like, but we took all these photos. We have to do something with them. Like, the girl's here. We got her in the room. The phone's right next to her. Like, I mean, it feels like a waste if we don't use it. And, like, again, their, like, big tactic is to hire a guy on Craigslist? Yeah. It's so like, dumb. what is that? Like, it's so stupid. Uh, and so I wrote in my notes, and this is important, because I, said, I say it honestly. I can hire a guy on Craigslist. <laughs> I believe you. It's all that L.A. Sun makes you confident enough to write a Craigslist ad. That's all you need. Uh, But no, so I write in my notes, it honestly seems like overkill to keep reminding him what's at stake. And then Carla calls and literally says, I want to remind you what's at stake. And I was like, I want to murder Nick Thiel. (laughs) But anyway, so they're back at the loft. Carla's saying nonsense. Uh, And while they're on the phone, Michael's like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I I know there are people kidnapped. You've reminded me like every 10 seconds. Like, honestly... Why are you so obsessed with me? Uh, but then he's like, oh, by the way, you know those guns that were used in the double murder that I saw a couple of days ago? Like, can I have those guns? And she's like, okay. Uh, and then that's the end of that call. Uh, cut to Fee at the lab above the security office, the place that she needs to get them into. Uh, and with she, her immense talent. Her immense talent, her great hair. Yeah. Uh, she flirts with a guy. 
lots of innuendo. Mm-hmm. She gets them into the building. Yeah. The the story is something about like there's like an architectural problem with the floor. Yeah, they need to redo the floor. They need to redo the flooring, which and it's is gonna why, be loud. And... Uh, yeah, so it's gonna be loud, and that's why they're gonna be fucking with the floor. Yeah. And so the guy's like, okay. Uh, then a few hours later, Michael and Jimmy arrive. Michael is puts on his best blue collar voice. It's not quite an accent. I was really hoping for two accents in one episode. I mean, it's an accent. They also tell him that the chemicals that they're using are going to be toxic. What chemicals are they using to redo the floor? <laughs> floor chemicals. You know, floors are made of chemicals. You can't like... You Actually, can't... no, you know what floors are made of? Uh, floors are made of 20-gauge steel pans with steel trusses spaced 30 inches apart for support. That is what floors are made of. Michael Weston told me so. And a little bit of chemicals. <laughs> I guess a little bit of chemicals. So that's how they keep the like guy that Fee flirted with out of the room. Yeah. Then there's a montage of Jimmy and Michael drilling into the floor. There's lots of bizarre split screening because that's the only way that mm-hmm. Bernard knows, knows how to do montages in a single room. Um, then Fee and Sam are outside watching their backs. Sam wants advice about what to tell Veronica about why he's all beat up. And Fee's like, why are you asking me? We're only sitting here together and I always give you girl advice. Uh, then we cut back to my... Oh, that reminds me. There's like we, there's a really good like callback here. Because at the beginning of the episode, the first time that they're sitting, you know, before Michael shoots them, Sam is talking about how, like, you need to be nicer to Michael. It's like, it's like he saved my life. It's like, I, I could count on one hand the number of, like, guys who would, like, come in and save my life all commando style like that. He goes, there, he gets, like, one, and he can't think of any more. And then later in this scene... Um, He's saying, like, she asks, like, why are you asking me for advice? He's like, because you're the only girl I know. He's like, and it's fine. I know other girls. I know one, and it's it's the only one. (laughs) I must have missed that, the last one. Uh, Anyway, so then we cut back to Michael and Jimmy for, like, two seconds, just just drilling. Just drilling. Just drilling. Then we cut back to Fee and Sam. Fee takes pity on him and tells him to tell Veronica that he got beat up protecting someone. Uh, but they're interrupted from their best friend time when Ryder pulls up unexpectedly. So they text Michael. We have a quickie scene in the lobby between Ryder, two bodyguards, and a front desk guy. Apparently the front desk guy called them. Cool. We know it now. Uh, then back up to Michael and Jimmy. They've got the files, but Jimmy celebrates a little bit too loudly because, like, their whole stealth mission, which we'll get to in the spy notes part, is, like, they were, like, trying to be quiet enough that the motion sensor wouldn't detect them using, yeah. like, a wool blanket and something else. Exactly. But Jimmy ex- is too excited about getting these files. Hey, everybody. This is Bree, like, a week after we recorded this episode. Because it turns out our recording kind of skipped around a little bit. Sorry about that. So um, we we lost a little bit of the plot. And if you had not seen this episode of Burn Notice, that might be confusing. So I'm here to get us from point A to point B. So we had just talked about the fact that Jimmy got a little too excited about getting the information and the all the alarms went off. And we know Ryder is in the building. So Michael and, uh, and Jimmy shoot all of the computers for some reason and then also shoot out a window and rappel out of the building right as Ryder gets to like his offices. And presumably he can't see them because they're like already at the bottom of the building by the time Ryder gets to the room and like are like rushing off into the car as he shoots down at them. But like, we're pretty sure that he did not see them, but somehow we make the leap that Ryder definitely knows it was Jimmy who got into his computer stuff, I guess. So uh, they're in a little bit of trouble. And that's when we get to the next part of the podcast that was recorded properly. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. The plan now, now that Ryder knows that it was Jimmy somehow, is that they're going to f- fake his death with a boat. Yeah. He's like in a boat. And yeah. That's that's generally how faking a death in a boat works, correct? Yeah. Well, you said with a boat. which made Yeah, they're going to fake his death with a boat. It's not like they're going to like kill him with the boat. <laughs> like I mean, they hit... kind of do. I mean, they kind of do. Kill they him. kill him with a boat. Yeah. I don't understand why you're kibitzing right now. Fuck off. So then Fee calls someone, Carla presumably, broke into the trunk of her car and gave her the guns from the crime at the Mm. beginning. Uh, Crime guns. The crime guns. Also, apparently Madeline has been calling Fee a lot, and Fee tells Michael to go see Madeline. 
because apparently we need one more Madeline scene yeah. for Sharon Glass to get her full paycheck. Exactly. Um, Michael goes to see Madeline again, who's smoking like there's no tomorrow. She's extremely freaked out, but in a moment of unexpected gentleness from Michael Weston, who's notoriously bad at bedside manner, he explains that this exact outcome is why he didn't ever, like, call, like, you know, this is why he didn't want her in his life when he was you know a spy like he never wanted this for her there are you know he says he's sorry really gently and it's like this really nice moment and then after two beats madeline goes well that still doesn't explain why you didn't write and comedy music plays and then end of scene michael gives a little warrant 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 look and then it's over so now we cut to the gang on a boat where fiona is placing charges and jimmy calls Ryder to get him to meet him at the marina uh, with his flagged cell phone. Remember the cell phone he used to call the police at the beginning of the episode that Michael's like, well, now they're tracking your cell phone. Well, they've turned on the cell phone again so that the police can track them once again to catch Ryder in the act uh, of alleged lib of, of murdering, maybe murdering him. Uh, Ryder arrives and like sends all his men around to like scope the area. And as soon as everyone leaves the vicinity of the car, Fiona puts the crime guns in their crime car um the crime guns from the big crime you remember yeah yeah the big big crime crime. yeah uh jimmy and michael safely on a different boat stall rider uh one of the ways that they stall him is by telling him to take off his coat and pants he takes off the coat does not take off the pants everyone is disappointed uh then he pulls a gun out of his shoe i guess and uh right he, he pulls the gun out of his shoe right as the police show up and they're like this is good time to blow up the boat for some reason yeah why would he think he's on the boat? There was no trigger. He didn't, like, it, it was one thing if he, like, shot into the boat and it exploded and he's like, shit, I must have, like, nicked something. Yeah. The boat just explodes. Why would he think Jimmy's dead? Jimmy's definitely not dead. This is obviously a setup. This is the worst well, faked death of all time. Because what happens is that he's like, stop screwing around, Jimmy. He thinks he's in the boat. Stop screwing around, Jimmy. I have a gun. And then yeah. Well, yeah, the, exactly. bo- the boat just explodes. Yeah, like, no one, yeah... He didn't think that he exploded the boat. Like, yeah, exactly. Make... Like, where did the, how did the boat explode? But then they and then they arrest him. Like, I couldn't tell if like the plan was to make like make him think that Jimmy is dead or to get him arrested so it doesn't matter. Well, I it yeah, it really does not make sense because then like they find the crime guns in the crime car and they're like, "You guys did the crime that we know about." The big crime. The big crime from the beginning of the episode. Remember, <laughs> uh, you did it. And so that all of them are arrested and everything is fine. But it does not um, it does not make sense as a plan. No. Jimmy is so clearly not dead. And like the first half of the episode, the plans like make sense. Sure. They're kind of run in the mill for burn notice, but they make sense. But then like, yeah, what like it all just devolves. Yeah, like I mean, this could have worked. An exploding boat is a good, you know, season yeah, opener. Exactly. But make the exploding boat boat mean something. It's so bizarre. Uh, so then Jimmy, uh, or Michael sends Jimmy off on a non-exploding boat to Haiti to get on a plane to Argentina to be reunited with his family. This scene is nothing except for explaining how Jimmy's getting out of the country. Yeah. Uh, at back of the loft, Michael and Fee look over the info they just stole and they finally have their conversation, which uh, lingers way too long on this super weird two shot. Did you notice that? The two shot that starts their conversation where it's just like Fee's floating head in a corner and all of Michael's like body but it's shot from like underneath them and then it switches to like a close-up of fee but it's still underneath like all of the shots are from underneath them yeah it's It's such a weird shooting style for this and it's just like really bad shots like it's just objectively not good framing i don't know it was very weird because paul was so good last time i know we really liked his episode yeah uh what's going on paul uh anyway so the conversation is actually that Fee is breaking up with him. Um, the, we, she says, we can't be together. And Michael's like, I know, I said that for a long time, which is not the time to say that, Michael, but fine. So they're broken up now. Uh, Sam makes a comment about it later on. And, and Michael's like, we were never together, Sam. And Sam's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, so in the final scene, a wild Trisha Helfer appears. But she's nothing. She's just doing a crossword puzzle at the bar. Yeah, Trisha Helfer's just there. She's just there. You know, she she's was like, in town. Exactly. <laughs> the thing about like Burn Notice is that there's random hot women on walking around and she's just one of the random hot women exactly so sam flirts with her yeah. uh he goes and talks to michael about some stuff then trisha helfer gets in a cab and does like a little flirtatious wave at michael yeah. and sam and they're like oh man hot women right exactly cool. yeah. uh and then this is miami this is miami after all so she drives away and michael gets a call from carla and michael's like hey 
I thought you said we were going to meet up. I am so disappointed. You know, like kind of, you know, fake bad guy flirting with her. And she's like, uh, Michael, we just did meet. And Michael's like, what? And he like runs out of the street, but the car is gone. And so then he goes over to the crossword puzzle that she was working on. And it says like, uh, have fun with the puzzle. See you soon. Exactly. He should have realized she got into a car. Carla. Car. He should have realized. Exactly. Hey, isn't that Trisha Helfer? Yeah. She's important. We probably yeah. didn't hire her to be like a bit part. No. That would be like casting Lucy Lawless for one episode and then killing her off. Ugh. We don't have time to talk about that again. I'm going to get so steamed. I'm going to get so steamed. At least Carla is like a decent female villain and like lives for more than two episodes. I will give them that. Like as soon as Trisha Helfer joins the cast, it gets so much better. Yeah. Also, I will say, so I, the the thing that Brie is watching while watching Bruno's this time is I've been rewatching Lucifer to try mm-hmm. and catch up because there's a couple of seasons I haven't seen. Trisha Helfer is like a main character on Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, and so is a the bad guy from next episode, ah. <laughs> which is very funny. He's in the next episode. He's like a gangster, but in Lucifer, he's a cop. Oh. He's a very layered performer. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, he's, I've seen a lot of cops. Trisha. He's a cop and a robber. <laughs> so anyway, I've just seen a lot of Trisha Helfer recently. Okay. He's a, he could be on either end of Law and Order. <laughs> so these are the spy tips. It's time for spy tips. Spy tips. So we start out with a lot of stinkers, just so you know. Just yeah. spoiler alert. Uh, first of all, as a spy, you get to spend a lot of time alone. You're trained to make the most of it. Prepare your next move, clean your gun, but at a certain point, you're just itching to get going. Um, this is nothing. But also, it's an interesting sort of parallel to the first spy tip of the show in the pilot is being a spy is a lot of waiting around. So it's like, once again, Michael's bored. Yeah. <laughs> being a spy is boring, Mom. Yeah, the, the thesis of the show is that being a spy is boring? Actually, I was reading an uh, interview with Matt Nix earlier um, where he says, like, I like the idea of a show, like, showing a spy is just, like, a normal guy. Yeah. Like, what is, it, what, is it, what is it like to just, like, be a normal guy and a spy? So I think that is the thesis of the yeah. show, actually. I mean, I, I kind of see where he's coming from in this idea that, like, Burn Notice is a show about process more. Um, like, it's kind of the thing that, like, Vince Gilligan ended up doing a lot in Breaking Bad is, like, demystifying yeah but also like uh uh, vince gilligan talks a lot about how like he liked showing the things that happen in between things on other shows like where people have to like find like like find people to sell drugs and do all this like weird sort of business and all that sort of stuff and he's very interested in that thing and like this show is too this show is as good as Breaking Bad, as I'm <laughs> Somebody on Twitter recently uh, compared it to that, but we'll get to that. All right, spy tip number two. Airbags are great for surviving crashes, but they make some in- evasive maneuvers tough. Mm-hmm. Fuck airbags. Fuck airbags. That's what Michael Weston says. Don't need them. Uh, this is a nothing tip. Number three. Security measures can sometimes seem a little cruel, just like parents sometimes twist their kids' arms to get them off a busy street. Sometimes safety isn't the most comfortable. That's what is it? I don't. It's I don't an observation. There's a lot of just like dumb observations at the top of this episode, and I was starting to get real frustrated. They, we eventually get better, but number four, private military companies are best known for their bodyguard work. Okay, for a big enough check, they'll rain hot lead down on anyone you want. Mm-hmm. Not practical. No, that's we know. Yeah, we know a mercenaries do Michael Weston. Yes. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's been an episode about mercenaries before in this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number five, when you're pretending to be someone you're not, the key is commitment. You've got to sell it like your life depends on it, because sometimes it does. I'm pretty sure there is an identical fucking oh, tip to this. Oh, there are 100%. It, like, there, and I think he was probably one, doing a bad accent that time, too. No, because he didn't have an accent with Ari. It's the episode where, with yeah. the potentially Palestinian, potentially Israeli guys who own an yeah. airport. <laughs> it's like No, the I don't tip. think they were Palestinian, or I think they were, like, checkers. Like, no. <laughs> There was some, Pakistani. I don't know, but they, it, it was. I'm pretty sure it was not a question of which side of the Gaza Strip <laughs> are they from. That's fair. Um, anyways, this is a nothing tip because you've used it already, and it was still not very good. Uh, one reason to work with the same people is that you know each other's moves. So if you shoot at your team in the middle of an operation, they know to go with it. That just mm, seems like yeah. teamwork makes the dream work. Exactly. No shit, Michael Weston. Um, it takes a good marksman to shoot from 50 feet away out of a moving vehicle and a great marksman to miss but make it look like you're aiming for someone. Or Mark's woman, as the case may be. I'm a, a feminist. Feminist Michael Weston talking. A lady boss? <laughs> What's a, that like? A Mark's woman? <laughs> Number eight. 
Every thief knows that the best way to get information about a place you want to rob is as a customer. Who else gets to see the vault at the local bank or the security at a private military company? You know, I've been a customer at many banks and never seen the security of the bank. Well, because you're not like a high roller. Like there's more to the tip where it's like, if you're rich enough, you have to be, you have to see the vault where you're going to put your rich people's stuff. So you just need to be richer. You're 31. Aren't you rich? That's true. Isn't that what's supposed to happen by the time you hit your 30s? Uh, I'm told it's 33. Got it. Um, Number nine. It's the Jesus bonus. (laughs) If you live longer than Jesus, you get some money. Jesus. Exactly. Uh, Number nine. I'm counting this as practical, but you might argue with me on it. A great way to get people talking about their security is to put them on the defensive. Uh, It's concrete enough. We haven't really gotten that before. It's usually the tip number eight. That we got a lot. But the specific, like, it's not just that I'm a customer who wants to see your security. I'm a customer who thinks your security sucks. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to try to impress me by giving me too much information. You have to be, you have to be like Shania Twain and think that don't impress me much. Exactly. Exactly. This tip also does not impress me much. So are you going to argue with me about taking it off? Nah, no, it's fine. I can stay. Okay. Number 10. It takes some practice, but counting your steps can be extremely useful if you need to reproduce a floor plan from memory. Neat. Also, in 2019, we have step counters. (laughs) Uh, Number 11. Badly done surveillance, that is, surveillance you notice, can mean a lot of things. Sometimes organizations need intelligence but can't pay for trained eyes, but some organizations just want you to know they're watching. This is said a lot on this show. That sometimes bad surveillance is like a message. Is that? Tr- I feel like that's not true. Well, in this case it was because he had an unopened envelope with a proof of life photo we didn't need. But I mean like in life. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever used bad surveillance to send a message. I don't know. This is based on a true story, Chris. Who are we to say? Michael Wilson might disagree with you. That's the... Every one of these episodes happened. <laughs> Exactly as they are shown. Number 12, breaking into a secure facility is all about giving yourself a good reason to be there. This seems like we probably had this before. And it's also kind of a no-brainer. What if this show was narrated by Michael Wilson? How I Met Your Mother style. Well, no, I do think it's how I I think we've talked about this. I'm pretty sure I've seen a spoiler where this is like fully How I Met Your Mother style. Like it's Michael telling the story to someone. To his kids? I think it might be to his kids, actually. To him and Fee's kids? I think so. I didn't see that part, but it would make sense. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that's what it is. It's like the voiceover conceit eventually is that he's telling the story. That's possible. Yeah. I'm mad about it, but fine. Uh, All right. Tip number 13. The typical floor is concrete slab over 20 gauge steel pan with steel trusses spaced 30 inches apart for support. When you cut through a floor, the thing you have to worry about is wires. Cut into the wrong wire and you'll set off building alarms, electrocute yourself, or both. If you don't want a whole bunch of concrete to crash into the floor below when you're cutting, you'll need to drill a hole and anchor the slab. Also, use a concrete saw. There's a lot in that. Very practical. There is like... Although I I feel like this happens sometimes on this show where like... There'll be a bunch of half-assed, like, observation tips. And then one tip that's just, like, this is Home how you Depot break... advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is how you break into a bank. Exactly. It's just, like, here's a lot of very specific terms yeah. and numbers. Although, I will say, so I had to turn on... This is the first episode I've ever had to turn on um, captions to figure out what the spy tip was to, like, get it down. So a 20-gauge steel pan, P-A-N, is what he says. But I looked it up on, like, the internet, and all I could find is, like, baking pans. So it's nonsense. It, I'm pretty sure it's nonsense. But I'm calling it practical because there is enough practical in there. The wires, the anchoring, the slab. This actually is probably two spy tips. Like the anchoring the slab thing could probably be a secondary spy Mm -hmm. tip. So I'm allowing it. Uh, Number 14. Motion detectors bounce sound off sensors and then analyze the reflection. If something changes, the alarm goes off. Move slow enough and a wool comforter absorbs enough sound to keep it from triggering. And a thermal blanket shields your body heat from heat sensors. That's practical. Yeah. I'm wondering if that works, but... I mean, that's true for a lot of these. Like, I'm wondering if that works. Uh, Number 15, quadrangle buckshot. If the the motion sensor is, like, sending out, like, pulses or whatever, and the pulse doesn't come back, surely that's evidence. Well, I don't think it's bouncing off something. I think it's just looking for something, like, strange. That's so, like, that's not how things work. Well... I don't know. It's just 
the motion sensor is just looking with its eye for something strange. Well, it's looking that at its ears. That doesn't look right. Well, again, it's a, it's sound. He says exactly, it. but like surely the sound has to bounce back. I don't know. I don't know enough about science. <laughs> All right, number fifteen. Quadrangle buckshot is a specialized round designed to explore the inside of anything delicate. Quadrangle buckshot. I'm going to name my first daughter. So for hardened security glass, try Frag 12, a military round with an explosive projectile. I do like tips that are like specifically like shopping advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Consumer reports. (laughs) Yeah. I really wish Burn Notice was more consumer (laughs) reporting. Clearly. Uh, Number 17. When cops pick up a call from a flag cell phone, they triangulate the signal and deploy units, a process that can take up to 10 minutes. Bad guys don't have that chain of command, so they get there faster. Like, based on what, though? Like, this seems not true. Like, this one very much seems not true. Because it sounds like it, when it starts, when he starts talking with this tip, it sounds like he's saying police have technology so they can get there fast. But bad guys who don't have technology get there faster. Because well, they don't have the chain of command. This is why I did not mark this as a practical tip. This is a bullshit tip. Fuck off, Mike Wilson. Like, the triangula- triangulating the signal has nothing to do with chain of command. Well, I think there was, like, some other stuff in it. But no, I... there wasn't. I remember this tip. <laughs> it's almost like you I just saw... watched the episode. <laughs> exactly. I thought it was bullshit then. Yeah, so it is bullshit. We're not counting it. 18. In, in intelligence gathering, too little information is obviously a problem, but too much information is just as bad in some ways. Pretty no, sure he no, said this before, too. I don't think it is. Um, number 19, and finally, <laughs> this is a very funny one. When you work as a spy, it's easy to think of people as assets or resources to be used. You don't care about the asset or miss the smell of her when she leaves the room and he just, like, trails off. <laughs> Creep me out. This is, this is the one that happens right after Fiona, like, breaks up with him and leaves. Yeah, exactly. And he's just like, I miss your smell, babe. Ooh. Let me get a whiff. Let me get a whiff. Just one more whiff. I'm, I'm jonesing. <laughs> Jones- jonesing for a whiff. For that bee stank. <laughs> All right, how do we rate this episode? Let's discuss. Was the weekly case solved with spycraft rather than violence? Yes. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of spycraft in it. <laughs> yeah, also, we didn't really do it other than, like, blowing something up. But, like... But that's not violence. That's not violence. I mean, yeah, exactly. There was no... He didn't hit nobody. He didn't hit nobody. Yeah. Fee tried to hit him. Yeah, exactly. But she failed to do so. So, yeah. I kind of think her heart wasn't in it. Fee, I know Fee could punch him if she yeah. wanted to. Uh, all right, number two. Is there uh, at least five practical pieces of spy advice? Yes. Yes. There are. There are exactly five. There might even be six if we count There might one. be four. There might. No, there might. There's definitely five because we could split one of them into. Yeah. Multiple. Two maybes, so like there's yeah. like two maybes, but yeah, it, it fulfills the tenant. Uh, number three is there a distinct alias revisited or debuted? Hell yes, yes. Australian Terry Miller, and also blue collar floor boy. He's uh, sort yeah. of a he's, he's not distinct, but it's like, two aliases in one episode. Yeah, I mean like. If Terry wasn't in this episode, I'd be like, that's nothing. No, but since Terry is in this episode, it's like, oh, an embarrassment of riches. That's fair. <laughs> but yeah. There's so- a lot to be embarrassed about. You're right. <laughs> uh, finally, were Fee and Sam used well? Uh, Fee flirtatiously shoots out of a moving vehicle. Check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sam wears Michael's little shirt. He did. All right. So that's the end of the episode. Season two. We're back. Are we? Did ch- we say that it, we didn't? Did we say that it was a great? episode? Oh, so I mean, it fulfills all four tenants. So uh, it's this, a, a great episode of Bird Notice. It's a great episode of Bird Notice. Is it, it a great episode of television? It is not. No, it's not. It's really not. Can Too I say, many plot holes. So many plot holes. Okay. Can I say like this episode? And I feel like probably when I was watching it live, too. Um, I think one of the things about Burn Notice that frustrates me is that it's so procedural that, like, it never does mythology episodes. It can't, like, it seems unwilling or unable to do mythology episodes. I like Meaning what? Like, episodes that have no case of the week. Episodes that are all about the overarching plot. Like, come, coming into this, like, season premiere, like, I wanted everything to be about, like, what's happening to him with, like... Who's the... Carla? Where is he? Exactly. And when he got, like, a case of the week before the opening, like, title, I was so disappointed. Because it's like, 
we don't have to do this. <laughs> Jimmy seems nice, but like you, what's going on? Like they don't seem to trust their own like mythology enough to like not have a case of the week. Exactly. Or and I get like it's a case of the week show, but like at this point, it's like well, it's two thousand eight, like. Buffy was doing mythology shows, like, in the 90s. X-Files was doing mythology episodes in the 90s. We were... This is old hat by now. Mm -hmm. The fact that, like, you cannot do, like, in your season premiere, like, devote a whole episode to, like, the plot is very frustrating to me. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, Thanks so much for sticking with us, everybody. Uh, Let us know your thoughts, uh, as long as they are not criticisms. Mm Mm-hmm. Remember, you can email us or tweet at us. And if you want those usernames, go back to the beginning of the episode and listen to it again. Also, thanks again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. VincentEL.bandcamp.com is where you can find more great music by Vincent. Thanks so much. And until next week, burn that notice. We got to get it. Maybe what changes this season is we have an outro. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, let's workshop that. We'll work it. We'll if, Everyone in the audience, give us recommendations for an outro. What should the outro be? Exactly. Okay, bye. Bye.